Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Walking Down Main Pass. I am your one of your co-hosts, Michael Greywolf, and joining me tonight is one of my fabulous co-conspirators and co-hosts, uh, Chase Powers. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, Chris Ripple uh, had a scheduling conflict and won't be joining us tonight, but he is with us in spirit. <clears throat> so... Walking the Unnamed Path is a podcast dedicated to expanding on the teachings and techniques given to us by the ancestors of men who love men and laid out by our late brother and founder, Hyperion. Uh, we also touch on topics of, of general interest and you know various ideas pertaining to queer pagan men in general on a daily basis. But you know, before we begin, we want to again say a special thank you to you know. So I I promise I will be meeting with Adam and working out the details for getting our Patreon started. It's just it's been a long week. <laughs> uh, but again, thank you to Matthew Sydney who donated to towards covering the costs of releasing these podcasts. Love you, Matthew. Mwah. So yeah, let's do let's you know let's catch up a little bit. You know, it's been so long since I've chatted with you, Chase. It's been forever. I know it's it's been like seven whole days. I think. That's like that's like it's like ages in gay years. All right now. (laughs) So how how are you doing, Chase? What's new with you? You know, I'm doing fantastically. Um, my students are nearing the end of their lessons, so soon I'll be gearing up for initiations, which is always fun, yeah. and uh, always a good, you know, always a, a good group activity, as it were. And probably looking towards starting another round of classes not long after that. Um, I'm also still doing some research and some development work in um, getting my own magical services and divinations business up and running. Mm-hmm. So, you know, nice. same old, same old, same old. And, you know, I meant to ask you last time, so you're not homeless at the moment, because I know you were, mo- you were planning <laughs> on, you're, you're trying to get everything arranged for moving. And, you know, last time you you were telling us, you know, off, Mike, you know how your neighbors were being noisy. So you're not homeless, correct? No, no, I am. I, I am. I am not unhoused. I am. Uh, I am in the process of apartment hunting currently. Uh, good, good. Which is, you know, always super fun. Oh yes, so fun. <laughs> how about oh. yourself? Oh, oh, honey. <laughs> uh, well, when I when when I when I say it's been a long week, you know, I. I have to sign my time card for work, okay. and I did um I did almost fifty hours last week. Yikes! So, so yeah, I, I'm a bit exhausted. Uh, I'm still trying to finish the edits for our uh, last episode so that I can get it up hopefully by the end of this week. Um, and yeah, so well, thank you for doing that because, girl, I know how hard <laughs> I know how hard it is to do audio editing. Yeah. But other than that, you know, I did manage to have a little bit of fun. I went out with a friend on this last weekend and bar hopped a bit. I'm getting back into being social. And 
Yes, I'm so happy about that. And I got to see a friend who I hadn't seen be- since before I moved to Illinois. Uh, he was in town for Dallas Comic Con, and I got to see him. And there were, there was talks of kidnapping me for the next um, CMA gathering, so we'll see how that goes. Well, there you go. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Girl, speaking of holidays, I'm telling you what, my Beltane, I laugh. So I've had several people who've told me that, you know, because I'm, because I've been doing, you know, been in this tradition for so long because I studied with Eddie or whatever, whatever reasons people like to give me that I'm an elder in this tradition, which always makes me kind of like, ugh feeling because I'm like, uh, not really a, that's not really a title I'd like to claim for myself. Not because being an elder is like being old, but I'm just like, am I though? Uh, I don't know. And I, I was like, you know, I was in bed by like eight o'clock on Beltane. Like, and I mean, when I say in bed, I mean, like I was a burrito in my bed with my pillows falling asleep at like eight o'clock at night. So I'm like, you know, is this what being an elder is? Like you just go to bed early. <laughs> everybody else everybody else and I was like oh yeah like we went bar hopping and I went to the bathhouse and I did this and that and the other and I'm like girl I went to sleep I had a cocktail and went to bed that was my <laughs> that was my Beltane you know I, I don't know because I didn't do much for my Beltane either but being is that I don't really observe it all that like traditionally anymore since you know it's not since we do not observe the wheel of the year in the unnamed path you know we have brothers who you know it's everyone's choice you know if they want to observe it but it's not something that we it's not a holiday that is oh this is one of our holidays no so mm-hmm. i'm like okay you know i'll have go out have some fun it's uh, feels weird to say but it's almost like a secular holiday for me I know, right? I mean, I've always been much more of a fan of the, um, shall we say, spoopier holidays anyway. I'm much more of a Samhain kind of girl. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, dress up, eat candy. It's not three million degrees outside, you know, and the whole point of the year is to summon the dead and scare people. Mm. So, you know. Yeah. That's much more my speed. (laughs) But. But, yeah. So, yeah, other than all that, good weekend. You know, got to see friends. There's plans for my kidnapping in October. And I am actually going to – so remember last time I mentioned something about the Radical Fairies in Dallas? Yeah. So I have I've yet to commit to that weekend that they are planning in June. But I found out that they meet every week on Saturday for coffee. So I couldn't go last Saturday because I was working, but I'm off this Saturday. And so is a friend of mine who's also interested in going to their gathering. So Nice. Uh, you know, I've heard that's we, a thing that happens a lot I ha- of, of, uh, of fairy coffee. Mm-hmm. So. So, so, we, so me and my friend will be getting together Saturday morning and going to have coffee uh, with the Radical Fairies. And hopefully I get to chat with a few and, you know, get uh, get more of a feel for the group. Before well, I commit fabulous. to a weekend, yes. I hear many good. I hear you know. I hear many good things. It's not. Uh, it's not for me, but I mm-hmm. hear many good things from people yeah. who enjoy it very much. So mm-hmm. have fun yeah. storming the castle. So. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> but you know, let's go ahead and jump into tonight's topic. So joining us tonight is teacher and author. 
Chris Allen. Chris has been studying paganism and the occult since 1992. He is an ordained minister with the Fellowship of the Phoenix and has been an initiate of traditional witchcraft since 2002. He is also a Native American pipe carrier and studies the path of the Red Road. He teaches classes and workshops on magic, healing, shamanism, and necromancy. Uh, he is the author of Underworld Shamanism, Myth, and Magic, and Deeper into the Underworld, Death, Ancestors, and Magical Rites. He continues to study and teach the magical arts to those who seek to balance the three worlds in their own lives. Welcome, Chris. Hi, how are you? You know, congrats on the book, Chris. Thank you. Uh, it is, Thank you. It is, again, it's called Upper World, Shamanism mm-hmm. and Magic of the Celestial Realms. So how yep. we were talking, me and you were talking earlier in the green room, and you've been on a few podcasts already talking about the mm-hmm. book. How is it doing yep. in the market? Um, so the other day, uh, on, um, on Amazon cotton who releases in shamanism and hit, um, number one. So that was strange to see that I was, because, you know, I still think of myself as a brand new author. I've been doing this for three years, but I still think of myself as brand new. So I checked the Amazon, the Amazon ranks like three or four times a day. So it, um, in new shamanism, it I couldn't find it. I was like, I don't see it. I here's here's twenty, twenty one, twenty two. I don't see it. How can that be? And so I scrolled up, scrolled up. I'm like, oh, it hit number one. And and um, daily it jumps around. It'll be number one, then number two, then number one again, then number three, then number one again. It's very exciting. So I'm very happy. I'm very thrilled with it. And so far, it seems to be getting uh, pretty good responses. Awesome. Fantastic. So, you know, could you tell us what was your motivation behind writing The Upper World? Um, so when I did Underworld and then the second when I started to jot down ideas for for angels and the gods and, and all kinds of things and planets or whatever, and, of course, some sketches and some um, brainstorming turned into an outline, turned into a couple paragraphs, and then, you know, 300 pages later, there's a brand-new book. So I partly wanted to do it as a, compa- as a companion b- book to Underworld. And the other thing is I was trained in so many different Tantrical um, um, modalities. So I have tr- uh, traditional witchcraft and ceremonial um, magic. I'm also part of the OTO. And um, over the years, I've learned to take very complicated angelic evocations and planetary workings and spells. I've l- learned to take a very complex thing and simplify it. And that as a machine is a simple technique. It just means I've taken something very, very uh, technical and can basically filter out all the all the extra things that you don't that you don't have to have. And so I wrote a book about it. Nice. Um, you know, you you said you had studied you know multiple magical mm-hmm. uh, practices. You know, and reading the book, I was I don't know if I was prepared for jumping around <laughs> to so many different um, 
traditions. Traditions. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I, I enjoy the lore and the stories that you mm-hmm. included uh, in each chapter. Uh, how, you said it took you years, but how long would you say it took you to research all these traditions and beliefs uh, that you included in the book? So I'm one of those people who I've become obsessed with energy and healing and magic. And I constantly, constantly study. I did everything I teach. I'm um, adept at in. I would never teach something that I haven't, um, I don't have a whole lot of experience in. So everything in the book I've taken through my last 25 years of experience, you know, um, one of the things that I don't know, I think this comes from a past life or something is, is that, uh, back like two, three hundred years ago, the cunning um, 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 and the sorcerers, the witches, they didn't just have one tradition. They would trade with each other. So if I was traveling and, and I learned something from the Native American people or Lakota, I would incorporate that in my daily practice. And if I'm traveling to, say, uh, Germany, and they taught me something, I would incorporate that in my daily practice. So, I mean, it's actually very common to take a whole lot of things and just um, incorporate it into uh, your everyday magical practice. So, um, to me, that's not so strange to have, like, a cross between hoodoo and Kabbalah and witchcraft and... Whatever else I put in there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have to say I am not. Well, no. Let me let me take that back just a bit. So <laughs> in the ending, so in the ending path, you know, we do work a lot with you know, upper world, underworld, and mm-hmm. you know, we use the world tree to travel it. I am so not. I don't spend a lot of time in the upper world. Is what I'm trying to say myself. Oh. <laughs> So I, I spend a lot of time in yeah, so I the underworld. A lot of time in the underworld. Yeah, and yeah. you know, reading all it did it made my brain hurt just a little bit, just because I know <laughs> from experiences with the few times I have been to the upper world, a few times I've interacted with um, the light god and light goddess of the unnamed path. It's just so much information, and you know, when I was reading some of. Like the one sections where you're talking about uh, the Kabbalistic world tree and the different numbers and the corresponding angels, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. My brain. <laughs> so, But it, but it was uh, a lot of really the... interesting information. I really loved it. Good. I mean, I'm glad because – so when I first learned your journey and things like that, the upper world is very abstract. So if you think about it, it's the world of the stars, the planets, the gods, this uh, very high frequency energy. So when you're learning how to journey, it's just so abstract and colorful. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense at first. At first, So part of the reason why I wrote the book the way I did was because I didn't 
wanted to have a flow per se because the upper world is very flowy and energetic as it is. So I wanted to kind of take each thing section by section and then um, explain it piece by piece because if you look at it all at one time, it becomes very, I don't want to say overwhelming. It just becomes a a lot to incorporate, you know. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. That's that's one of the reasons why we don't really send our uh, students to go spend a lot of time in the upper world when they're first going through their apprenticeships, because it can be kind of a lot. Well, I mean, how I was trained, I was uh, trained to where the first thing you do is you you journey into the place that you are. So um, the uh, um, uh, metal world. And then you do the underworld. You have that initiation. You face your fears. Once you face your your fears and your demons, then you go up to the world of the gods. You know, And by that time, you should have a whole lot of experience in journeying. That being said, um, uh, I wrote the book the way I did. And um, I wrote the book in such a way that you don't have to go to the underworld first. You can when people ask me all the time, do I begin in the underworld or 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 can I buy your book and just start journeying? You can just buy upper world and start journeying. Ideally, whatever calls to you, whatever you're in initiation, initiation, <laughs> intuition, <laughs> um, whatever your intuition says. If your intuition says, hey. Start in the underworld and start there. If your intuition says, start in the upper world and start there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that can certainly work. <laughs> <laughs> I just know, I just know for a lot of a for I know for for us for uh, when it comes to the teaching part of it, you know, we we certainly have students who will spend some time, so who will spend more time in the upper world. But a lot of our students come to us with not a lot of training or with various yeah. other trainings. So it's usually yeah. kind of a good idea to have people, at least for us, it's, it's tended to be a good idea for people to go through the, uh, the processes in the underworld sure, before absolutely. they go up to the upper world and start um, uh, spending lots of time up there. Well, you have to have grounding. I mean, you have to have some type of a tether to the either the physical plane or to the ancestors in the underworld or something like that because I think I see a whole lot of people who begin their spiritual path on like um, angels and planetary things and astrology and to know those are great things I talk about those in detail in the book but, but we need to to also go to the underworld to uh, as well, you know. Oh, absolutely. I think um, I think one of the one of the things that I actually like about seeing some of the books that are now coming out about specifically dealing with upper world things instead of just underworld is that, you know, yeah. for a long time, for a long time, various you know pagan and especially New Age communities, you know, everything was very love and light and we must only we must only focus on the light and the the happy right. and the good and you know positive thinking 
and you know it left a lot of it left you know a generation of of practitioners very um ungrounded you know uh, right. having 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 done a having done a bit of training in the having done a bit of training in ceremonial magics um over the course of my own journey i've seen a lot of people who focused you know they focused a lot of work on the um the uh knowledge and conversation of the guardian of the holy guardian angel without actually paying much attention to you know the fact that they have a body and that that body right. needs you know food health and, and you know health and health and nourishment and also you know contact with other people and you know you you have a lot of you have a lot of people who engage in a lot of spiritual bypassing you know so it has been good to see you know a focus on things of the underworld and on you know things of of you know go, going back and touching on our roots and you know that but also you know we certainly can't just only focus on the roots all the time either so it's nice <laughs> it's been kind of nice because then you know you're just you're a stump <laughs> so you're a stump. um you're a stump um so it is kind of nice to see some of the um some of the the ways that the pendulum is kind of swinging back and being a little bit more grounded so yeah i think it actually the pendulum should go back and forth <laughs> because um you know a lot of people think that the upper world is a very new agey and very loving light and blessed it can it certainly can be that but um the upper world book certainly has some very i don't want to say dark qualities but it has some very raw qualities um I tried not to sugarcoat anything because I actually have um, a section in a book in the angels chapter about how to conjure the angel Lucifer in your, um, in your temple space and how to invoke him into your chakras and into your body for um, empowerment. It's interesting because I've been hearing that the book has a whole lot of controversies surrounding it which <laughs> some people are like so if you do shamanism why are you talking about angels and um but part of it is, is is like i just said i'm very eclectic and i'm a sorcerer and so whatever technique i think is powerful i'm going to incorporate that in my practice however i mean if you think about it what are angels if you go back and look at the books of Enoch in the Old Testament and you look at the Babylonian angels and what the Greek called angels, they're actually just personifications of energy. And so in the book, I talk about how shamans see this energy and to have a relationship, how to have a connection with this energy, um, you um, humanize it from what you give it a shape, you give it a form, and you have conversations. And for some people, it appears as energy. Some people, it appears as this figure who has a thousand eyes on it. And some, some shamans, it appears as a pillar of fire. So, yeah. Uh, I'm losing my train of thought here because I'm pacing back and forth. 
<laughs> but anyway, so so the upper world, how I interpret it, isn't just you know healing and and love. It has some very raw qualities to it. Uh, raw is a really good word. Raw is a really good word for some of the things. I would also say uh, intense. <laughs> It's also another good word. Um, I know um, a lot of our I know a lot of our students uh, when they first engage with the light goddess in the unnamed past tend to um, remark on her intensity that way. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's a raw is also a really good word for that. Well, and it's interesting because I think as these deities and spirits, I think they challenge us. I think that because they can dampen their their power if they choose, I just don't think they choose to, uh, to because I think they're trying to challenge us. I think they're trying to say, I think they're trying to show us our flaws and our glitches and our weaknesses, which is a good thing because we need to be aware of our flaws and things, especially in a spiritual way. Agreed, definitely. Um, oh yes. <laughs> Let's put the pressure on, you know. <laughs> Are all of I know all of I know all of our gods, be they underworld or upperworld, like to challenge us and challenge our um perceptions and uh our beliefs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Agreed. I had a thought. I was trying to, uh, I was gonna pipe in with something and the thought went out of my head. Um, let me take a look at my notes. <laughs> Welcome to the upper world. That happens all the time up there. Uh, <laughs> it is. It, 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 it does. It happens all the time. You're like, oh, I'm going to do this. And look how pretty the universe is. And I forgot why I'm here. <laughs> Wib- wibbly wobbly, tiny whammy spirit world. Oh, oh Dr. Who yeah. fan. <laughs> very much. Very, very much. Very, very much so. <laughs> and it's been a, and it's, it's it's been an incredibly apt uh it's been an incredibly apt comparison for for the teaching of dealing with things in the spirit world with people Absolutely. who are who are only accustomed to dealing with things like linear time it's like no 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 not right. not no the spirit world does not have linear time big ball of wibbly wobbly timey wimey spirit world yep 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 pretty much there was one part in the book that stuck out to me mainly because mm-hmm. it's a I feel like it's a little bit different than what we teach in the Unnamed Path, which is awesome. You know, everyone has their own way of doing <laughs> everything. But, uh, you know, there's a section where you mention uh, the law of attraction when you're talking about how mm-hmm. a shaman creates their world. Yeah. And I was just wondering, you know, is this is this different or – from you know, teaching people that they are the ones that manifest their world, they manifest their destiny, their desires, their intents. Say that again. I want to hear that again. So make, make okay. sure I'm fully understanding the question. Okay. So you you mentioned the law of attraction as mm-hmm. how a shaman creates their world. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that the same as saying that? Is it the same or is it different from saying that? from saying or teaching people that they are the ones that manifest their, their mani- that a person can manifest their world. They can manifest their desires, their intent, 
and so on, like that. Okay, yeah, it is the same thing. So, um, so what happens is, is that um, you have to be connected to the, the universe. You have to be connected to the ebb and flow of, of the solar cycle, the lunar cycle, and things like that. And the law of attraction, all that simply means is that whatever you think, whatever you feel, whatever you surround yourself with, that's what you're going to attract to you. You know, that's what you're going to bring into your life. Essentially, this a spell when you light your green candle and ask for a job and and things like that. Essentially, that's the law of attraction. A vision board is 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 basically a spell, you know. So it's absolutely the same thing. However, um, I go in the book. I go even further and talk about how plug and to the universal energies are you are you plugged in like you um you have a connection to the gods you have a connection to um to the earth in the in the solar cycle the lunar cycle you have a connection to your dreams you have a connection to society and through those connections you send out your vibes, you send out your energy, you send out your thoughts and desires, and that's how you, you have manifest the, your world around you. So, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think it does. <laughs> so, you know, what, what would you say you want, you know, someone who picks up the book, what would you say you want them to get out of it? What is your... Um, dis- I want them... I want them to be challenged. I want them to say, oh, I didn't see things like that, or someone told me something else, or I read something that said the exact opposite. I want people to challenge, uh, to be challenged their, their worldview. Um, I want people to say, oh, I never thought of that before, or I want them to say, the other thing I would love is when people say you take something very complex and simplify it into a very workable system so those are the two things i want you know and mm-hmm. when i go into all the books i write or all the articles or whatever those are my two things i want uh, people to be challenged because i think spirituality should be challenging and i wanted to say Hey, can you explain a very complex thing very simply? And, you know, I, I will say, it, you know, reading the book, it was very easy to understand everything you were talking about and reading through the exercises. Cool, cool. I was like, okay, you know, this is a very good step-by-step. I was like, and I found myself, you know, reading to someone, I was like, okay, we, we do exactly this or we do something mm-hmm. very similar uh, yeah. when we do yeah. – certain things in the ending path. So I was like, awesome. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, I like when people pick up the book and say, awesome. <laughs> so the so the book is kind of a an upper world book of shadows, I would say. It was, it's almost like a journal. Um, so in Trap Crabs, how they 
how they teach you. You don't have a book. They don't uh, give you homework to do. They don't give you exercises. You go out to the graveyard or the hill or the sea or the forest, and you just perform. And you, it's basically you sink or swim. You either um, you see the the person in charge and you try to do what they do, and then um, that's it. Because in tradcraft, it isn't so much about going home and learning techniques. It's about everything's intuitive, and you have to really connect with the earth, the stars, and your coven. Um, what I used to do, because I don't have a uh, memory worth shit, so I would immediately go home and write everything in my book of shadows that I could possibly remember. And so I kind of wrote the book like that. Like, in, if I don't do this technique in five years, I want to pick it up and, and I wanted to jog my memory very quickly and very thoroughly, you know. Um, yeah, so that's uh, basically the point of a of all the techniques. That and, that and bullet points. I like a whole lot of bullet points. <laughs> it at, coming coming at things from as the uh, as the uh, traditions resident Virgo, uh, as one of our brothers likes to call me, the Virgoiest Virgo that ever Virgoed. Uh, it has it, it is definitely uh, well organized in terms of bullet points <laughs> and step by steps. Um. Well, you know <laughs> why, though, because um, sometimes I pick up a book of a good author, and in, in the and the techniques are in paragraph form, and my brain is going, wait, what the hell did I just see? Let me go back and reread. Okay, and I'll be practicing, and then I will lose my place, and I'll be like, wait a minute. Uh, I, have to, uh, I have to go back and read the whole thing again. Versus, I'm at step one, I'm at step two, I'm at step three. And my brain doesn't like to see um, a, a magical, um, magical techniques in paragraph form. I like a list. I like a list. I like bullet points. It makes more sense to me that way. <laughs> Definitely. It, it, it is... Uh... It can be very challenging to try to get through a book that jumps around in very strange ways and does not follow a train of thought. Well, well, well I'm glad my I'm glad my book follows a train of thought. That makes me very happy. <laughs> I hope someone would say, "Hey, Chris, uh, your book doesn't make sense." What? <laughs> mm. Well, you know, going back to the book a little bit. You know, was there a part when you were writing the book, was there a part that was more difficult to write than any other? Uh-uh. No. Um, the only thing – I don't want to say challenge, and the only thing that was more time-consuming is um, everything I teach in the book, I was trying to find resources for – so if I talked about a, a certain angel, like let's say um, Gabrielle. I went to old traditional sources to find where did the idea of a Gabriel come from? 
uh, what is the original source? Let me cite a quote. Um, that, that was more time-consuming, but nothing was really hard because, uh, to be honest, writing this book was such a pleasure and such a joy, and I had so much fun with it because, um, like I said, I was, I'm a part of the OTO, and I've been doing ceremonial um, magic and traditional craft for such a long time, and it was kind of a joy to take, again, take these, these very long incantations and say, okay, I'm going to edit out that, take out that, I'm going to rewrite that, and, and take something that's like 25 steps and turn it into seven steps, you know. I do have a question for you guys. Did you read mm-hmm. Read the chapter about the God invocation. Oh, God. I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm going to take that as no, not yet. Well, <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've been going through, I've been going through quite a lot of it. And, uh, it's, it is, it's certainly a chewy book. I must, either I haven't gotten to that one or it's one of those, um, I've been chewing on other things and it didn't jump out at me. So let's see, which, it's which, in the God chapter. Here, I'll tell you. I was just um, looking at it a second ago. It's in the chapter under gods, and mm-hmm. it is. Let's see, page eighty-five. Da, da, da. I must have skipped over that because I I was way past eighty-five. <laughs> okay, so the god invocation. I talk about um, the different kinds of that um, invocation. So, like. For example, there's play acting, and play acting is you're in a ritual, and you have certain things to say, certain lines to say. So you don't call the energy of the gods per se, but you're acting out as if you were the gods, say, uh, Diana or Jupiter or Hades or whoever. Then you have aspecting and we know what that is. That's bringing the God energy mm-hmm. to some extent in our bodies, in our consciousness. Um, yeah. But we still have control. So the God is there, and the gods are saying, say this, say that, do this, do that. And we can hear them, but they're the God in control. Then we have full possession uh, to where our consciousness is gone, and it's the God in our body. You know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And um, uh, um, and then I give a technique about how to uh, uh, um, very simply um, call the God into your body. So basically how you do it in, is that God sits on your body like a pair of clothes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the technique is a whole lot more detailed than that. But that's the gist. He puts on your body and it takes you over. Somewhat, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And then um, someone was telling me, which I thought was interesting, because in the fellowship, um, part of the ceremony is the invocation of our sacred gods, and we teach it to anybody who's in, who's initiated. And you don't have to have hardly any experience, and we'll. And we'll teach you the invocation. 
However, with that being said, we do to take care of our people, um, meaning if you don't have a, a lot of experience, we're going to do some play acting and maybe some some aspecting. If you have a bunch of experience, I'll teach you possession. You know, then someone was just like, that's a secret. You're not supposed to tell people this, the secrets of the craft. And I said, but that's our job is to teach people the secrets of our craft. <laughs> Otherwise it dies. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? I'm curious. You want me to feel that one, Michael? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, you guys I, have I, a different tradition I, than I have, and so it's, wait, wait. I'm well, curious well, Chase everybody is, has their own tradition. Yeah. Well, Chase is actually one of the official teachers in our tradition. I've gone through, I've gone through the training, but I'm not there just yet. Uh, but Chase <laughs> is. <laughs> um. So I guess I'm not uh, our. The perspective that we have is essentially um, that you have to develop a relationship first and foremost with the god that you are attempting to aspect. So rather than I did you know, teach that though, I yeah. will say we and the book talks about that. So we do teach that. I talk about it all the time. So I wanted to add that before people like. Wait, someone is just <laughs> randomly invoking some strange god they don't know? No, these are our well, sacred gods that that we honor every ritual. You know. Yeah. So I mean, in terms of so I mean, in terms of you know being taught by a, a teacher in in a tradition versus you know, um, uh, gosh, how how was it put earlier? The um, I R and and I R A B pagan and I read a book pagan. Um, is that, is that, you know, you, it's all well and good for someone to pick up a book that, you know, talks about like possession. Um, Mm -hmm. the, the thing is, you know, and this is something that we often either encounter or have to teach our students is that, you know, possession is not like what happens on, in, in Hollywood movies. You know, this is not like what happens in Hollywood movies. You know, um, in the tradition, we have both people who are initiated and we have people who we are very close to who are, you know, adjacent to the tradition, as it were, who are initiated in things like voodoo and in in, uh, Lukumi. And so, you know, our our founder was a Lukumi priest. So, you know, it's we have we have, I I suppose, a better relationship with the idea of possession, first and foremost. And, you know, so we we also understand, like, what it is and what it's not. Um, Exactly. I I don't necessarily know, you know, personally, if I would include in a book, you know, information on how to be possessed by a god. But also, I feel like, you know, if someone, if someone is brave enough to (laughs) rifle through the yellow pages and pick up, essentially pick up the phone number for Kalima and attempt to do an an invoking or an aspecting or even, God forbid, a possession without actually developing any relationship, the most that's going to happen is nothing. Exactly. 
you know, exactly. because you because exactly. it, it it's it's essentially you know what what we try to what we try to impress on our students is that you know you are developing a relationship with your 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 matron or your patron deity like you're you're doing your right you're not absolutely you know it's it's an alliance it's a partnership it's not a it's not a, a place of subservience or you know um i liken it to the um the monty python and uh monty python's meaning of life skit you know the oh lord you are so big so absolutely huge um gosh we're all really impressed down here i can tell you um <laughs> you know it's not it's not that um you know gods are gods are different because they don't have hands you know um we need we need gods because you know gods are big and they're huge and they have you know they have access to levels of power that we don't or can't reasonably contain and they need us because we have hands and it's a lot easier for a god to look at one of us and say hey so i need you to move that chair two feet to the left um because you have hands um otherwise i mean i could probably set in motion things so that the chair gets moved you know by an earthquake or you know continental drift so that that you know is what happened but it's a lot easier for me to just go hey you have hands. Can you move that? You know. Um, I was about to say with continental drift, that poor chair, it'll take ten thousand years to move. <laughs> exactly, and thus, thus the tapping of the small human with hands. Um, I know. Um, I've heard. I've heard many people in um, in the fairy tradition talk about. You know, we are all God herself in work clothes. Absolutely. You know. So, um, which I love. Uh, you know, and I agree with that 100%. And the very first thing I teach in the gods chapter is how to find your patron gods. So I give a ceremony about how to reach out with your heart, with your, with your being, with your essence, how to find your gods and, and to ask them uh, to, uh, to reveal themselves to you. Then after that, I teach you about the uh, different types of devotion. So how do you love the gods? Is it a parent to a child? Is it a friend to friend? Is it a colleague? Um, or is it a lover? You know, because in um, voodoo, it's a very common for them to have a god or goddess lover. You know, it's extremely common. But anyway... So after I teach all those things, I teach you how to to have a, a very strong devotion ceremony about how to give your energies through prayers, through offerings to your god and goddess. Once you do all those things, then you should do the invocation and not before. So the reason I do all that is because no, if you haven't, if you don't know who this God is, or you've only read a few stories, you probably shouldn't invoke them. However, if you know them, and you have a relationship, and you talk to them, and you pray to them, and you dream of them, then it's okay. Because those gods aren't going to hurt you. Those, those gods are your gods, and all they want to do is see you heal, 
be joyful and spiritually evolve, you know. Um, interesting thing. In voodoo, they don't have any of that. In voodoo, they think that if you know the God or not, if they possess you, good for you, then that means they like you. But there's also a different a tradition, a different culture, and a different community. It's not the um, everyday um, American community that we're um, accustomed to, you know. No, for sure not. It's it's. I think you know. I I I know a lot of people read um, certain read would read things in in this book, and I know I've read things in in other books that talk about you know. Um, and I think this is something that uh, oftentimes the uh, extreme oversimplification that sometimes happens with ceremonial magic is that things kind mm-hmm. of can get removed from their their cultural context. You know, oh, it's, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, absolutely. it's one thing, you know, it's one thing to develop. It's one thing to develop a relationship with Hecate, who, you know, while being a, a very, you know, being an important goddess, you know, I have I have a relationship with Hecate. I also don't yeah. have a living. I also don't have a living culture that worships Hecate to really, right. you know, look at. I have historical documents which may or may not be properly interpreted. You know, I have, I have right. people's best guesses at interpretations and uh, translations of ancient texts, which are sometimes fragmentary, you know, and then you have things where... So we're where, doing our know, best at this point. Yeah, you know, you have things where, they, where they do... You know, you have things where they then find out whole new information about the worship that, or what they think is the worship of a particular deity because they've done a new archaeological archaeological right. excavation. Right. And so they're yeah. like, oh, well, actually, this goddess is associated with this animal now because, you know, we found a temple where they had, you know, 100,000 cows, you know, uh, 100,000, <laughs> you know, cow statues sacrificed to this deity. <laughs> So, you know, that ha- that happens. Um, but, you know, with with traditions, you know, like voodoo or like Ifa, you know, it is it is important to remember, I think, that, you know, these are living traditions where people right. are still alive and practice them, Absolutely. you know, and to not make the mistake of doing of, you know, over of oversimplifying or of. Um, uh, oh, gosh, come on, brain. What's the word I'm looking for here? Um, uh to improp- well, to improperly syncretize. I know this is. I know that's something that you know uh, that uh, Hyperion. So when to you talk say, about. so when you say improperly syncretize, what do you mean by that? I'm just curious. Well, I I would say, for example, things like um, say to say that. Um, oh gosh, let's let's throw two goddesses together. Oh well, here's a here's a great one. Um, to say that um, Aphrodite and um, oh gosh, why am I blanking on that Orisha's name now? Um, to say that um, uh, Frida Azuli? Uh, no, 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 not not Azuli. Uh, oh goodness. Yamaya. Yes, thank you. To say that to say that Yamaya and Aphrodite are basically the same god, the same, or the, the same spirit, and it's like, oh, honey, I hate that. <laughs> no, um, I hate that. Like, I hate that. I, I know. Like... I, I know. We've had. I know that there has been an instance where someone, you know, made someone, some person made the comment that uh, Yamaya is um, Aphrodite with a tan. 
Oh God, that's mm-hmm. so crazy. I don't ever want to hear and that again. Yeah, oh, my God. it was it was very um, it was very yeah. inappropriate, now, right? <laughs> incredibly inappropriate, and a lot of us were going like, "I'm gonna like." On that note, like I'm, if you'll excuse me, I'll be in my concrete bunker, thirty feet underground. Bye, gotta go. Yeah. Nope, hard pass. Um, uh, you know, so you know, I think in in reading, you know, in reading books like yours, or in reading books, and I'm not like calling you out for anything or anything, but you know, in reading books oh, like please, this, or in reading, <laughs> in reading books involving, you know, involving a ceremonial magic take on things, because this is something that you know, ceremonial magic does, unfortunately. They do it too well sometimes where they'll, you know, they'll syncretize two, two gods or two spirits because they, they share similar portfolios. Um, well, they to, do to that. Use another, nerd, thing is, use another nerd term. No. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, <laughs> so um, one of the things I did or I made sure that when I was I'm citing sources, I got the original source. So I didn't cite – there aren't too many books on ceremonial magic. So I was like, oh, here's a brand-new book I cited. So I cited the actual grimoires of, like, the Key of Solomon and things like that. So a part of the reason they do that – and so I think if you're going to do things like ceremonial magic, can, can they uh, do the strange thing to where, like, for example, they're demons. Half of them aren't actually these ancient Catholic spirits. But they're gods that they demonize. You know. However, if you go into that with that understanding, and when you call up that demon, I don't call it up by the demon name. I call it up by the god name. And because I truly believe in having a respect for those for those spirits you know however so a lot of times they do exactly what you say is because see priests and most of them were christian priests who designed those things um, based on uh, the greek and egyptian sources they would take these uh, deities and say okay so you're all demons you're all Lesser spirits, so it really doesn't matter if we honor who you actually are, and that's where that comes from. However, um, a lot of contemporary ceremonial magicians they understand that and they honor the actual spirits, like um, um, one author who I think is just completely amazing and intelligent and a genius is Aaron Leach. He is so fantastic at that. And he teaches in his classes the spirits that you call up in ceremonial magic or gods treat them as such. And he's very aware how a thousand Years ago, those uh, priests weren't very kind to pagan gods. However, that doesn't mean that we have to be unkind currently, you know. 
very true. That's actually a that's actually a really great point too. I that I have uh, all, that I have discussed when dis- when talking magic with other people and why I don't necessarily call myself a ceremonialist. I, I tend towards the uh, I tend towards the air on the side of politeness. So I don't like Agreed. personally. I don't do a lot of like summoning and commanding of spirits because I'm like you know if I want you to do a thing. I'm going to ask you, and if you say no, that's cool. I'll find another spirit, or I'll make one. But um, you know, the the idea. Which brings me actually, which brings me actually to a, a very good point, and I don't mean to interrupt you about like when I say I take ceremonial concepts and simplify them. What you just said is exactly what I teach in all the books that I write about. You know, I never take these barbarous words about if you don't do as I say, I will send you to hell to burn for all eternity. I change that to say, dear spirit, here's an offering. Please help me with blank. Thank you. (laughs) And that's how I change it, you know. Pretty much, pretty much. That's kind of my, that's generally my sort of approach to, to things like that is, you know, if I were sitting at home in front of my nice lake of hellfire and, you know, occasionally poking, uh, you know, o- occasionally poking at, you know, a random Republican politician, um, I would be not happy particularly about being called away to bestow the secrets of astronomy on you know joe schmo the ceremonialist when literally (laughs) i you can just go pick up a book at your local library sir you know right exactly Um, so you know if i want to know something or if i want to do something it's just so much easier to be like hey i hear you have a great deal of knowledge about this i would really like to learn a thing do you have time if so, cool. Let's make a deal. If not, that's cool. I'll go to my local library. Um, but exactly. yeah, I, I, exactly. I think that, you know, I think, I, I guess back to, to kind of circle back to my original point, I think it's yeah. really important, especially in these, in, in this day and age of the discussion around things like, you know, cultural appropriation to mm-hmm. understand that, you know, it's one thing to talk about the practices of a tradition that are public or that are, you know, publicly known. And it's another thing entirely to make decisions about the use of that, of, of that culture's uh, practices without either the, the knowledge or the experience of being part of that culture. I mean, I know, I know we have, I know several people who've gone through, you know, initiations into voodoo who are white people who, you know, have had people be like, I don't understand. How can you be part of this tradition? You're white. And they're like, well, you know, I studied with someone who is actually, you know, an initiate in the tradition. And I also did things like went to Haiti for things, you know, and and actively engaged in the you know, actively engage in the in, in the tradition. Well, it's your it, basically it's your teacher and how it works. So I work with the, the Lakota and I have an Apache teacher. I myself impart Cherokee. However, um, 
I have blue eyes. And so when I go to a ceremony, I look, I look very Caucasian, you know, that being said, I understand, even though I have some blood, I'm not a part of that culture. I wasn't raised on a reservation. I wasn't. So that being said, I have a teacher who was given permission by her teachers to teach their tradition. And when you, when you do that, like, um, when I created my Chinupa, the sacred pipe, I had to fly to Sedona. I had to meet with the spiritual leader. He had to do all these things, blah, 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 blah. Um, it is an appropriation if a teacher of that tradition teaches you and you can be whatever, um, whatever your background is, whatever you, your lineage is, that's okay. But as long as you work through that teacher, what how I see appropriation is when someone doesn't have any teachings at all, take something, let's just say the smudge, let's just say sage, and they say, oh, this is Celtic. I'm like, no, that's clearly Native American, clearly, you know. I mean, that to me is appropriation. Um, If you have a teacher, like I'm, like I'm, I'm allowed to teach very uh, basic things to my students. Like I can teach about the pipe. I can teach about the drum. I can teach about um, how do you use tobacco in the appropriate way. But can I can also host a, um, a sweat lodge, but I can't do Sundance. I can't do a naming ceremony. I can't do all, uh, all kinds of things. You have to have, have, have permission. And um, and now how they do in in my tradition, you give the names of your teacher. Like my teacher is Billy Topatate, and and when people say, "Oh, I know Billy," or "I've heard of Billy," or "I know her teachers," or whatever, you know, so that's how we we do it in in that way, you know. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like I said, I I I very much agree. I very much agree with all that. It's it's certainly a uh, it is certainly a, a vast difference between you know being part of the teachings from a living tradition and being an I read a book pagan. <laughs> right. And you know, speaking of books, uh, I think I think I've gotten all my questions answered. What about you, Chase? Well, I mean, you know, as I continue to chew on, as I continue to chew on 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 this book and and the others, I'm sure I will invariably have more questions. But that's what we have future episodes for. Absolutely, yeah. And the thing is, I like the challenges. I like when people say I don't agree. Let's talk about it. That's my favorite thing about this. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's awesome. You know, a lot of people are very protective. Of their works, and it's very refreshing to have someone who's like, if you don't agree, let's talk about it and let's figure it yeah, out. Yeah, I love. Well, I enjoy challenges. I like when people say, "Have you ever thought about?" And I can say, "Hmm, let me think about it." That's awesome. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. There was a thought I had, and again, it's disappeared out of my head. But um, do you have uh, any stuff coming up in the future? Uh, I'm glad you, you asked. Like to... yes, 
Um, it's all in the um, Chicago area here. Here, let me pull it up. I just had it. Okay, so let's see what's happening. So on on Saturday, this Saturday at the um, Mankind Project here in Chicago, I'm teaching a workshop called For the Love of the Gods at 5:30, and it's about how to design a a devotional ceremony for your gods. Then I am I'm also hosting. Our version of Beltane, and we call it a fire dance at 7:30 on the same mm-hmm. day this Saturday. On June 2nd, I will be at the the Inner Arts Studio at 12 p.m. at in Oak Park, uh, teaching a class on planetary hoodoo. On July 14th, I will be at Evolve on in Crystal Lake. Uh, 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 teaching for the love of the gods again for, um, for that community. And then on July 28th, I will uh, be at MSI Healing and Evanston, and I will be teaching Native American Angel Healing with my teacher, uh, Billy Topatate. We're going to do a, a joint class. And then September the uh, 15th, I'll be in in Elgin at Gypsy Haven, teaching a class on star magic and star portals at at 10 a.m. Then on September the 22nd, I'll be ba- I'll be back at Alchemy Arts, uh, uh, teaching a evocation to Lucifer at 12 p.m. So that is going to be a very busy summer. Yes. Now, do you have a website or a uh, Facebook page? I have a Facebook. I have a Facebook page. It's it's under Chris Allen. Um, uh, Chris and and Allen is spelled A L L A U N. And the professional page says a Chris a Chris Allen author, a teacher, healer. So uh, join that uh, page, and we have all of the classes and all of the speaking engagements and interviews and so forth. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much, Chris, for being on the show with us. And thank you, you for know, having before me. We, yeah, actually, before you messaged me about uh, being on the show, I was in the process of reading your other book, the one that came out right Underworld? before this one, the, yeah. the Ancestor one. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I gotta put this on hold. I was really digging that book because I, I, oh, ancestor, oh, good. I'm glad you ancestor like work, it. <laughs> ancestor work is very near and dear to my heart. I mean, it's ancestor Aww, work is good. very near and dear to all the all my brothers in the Unnamed Path's heart. We do a lot of that, but uh, yes, so that makes me you know, happy. I'm so but, glad you guys uh, <laughs> do that because a lot of traditions they don't teach ancestor honoring, and I don't know why. Probably, probably because probably because white people don't have a lot of uh, connection with their ancestors, and you know, uh, neo paganism tends to be overwhelmingly white. So, (laughs) well, that makes me sad because you know our ancestors need to be in our lives, and they need to be here, and they need to be honored, 
And sometimes it's fun to call up the dead once in a while, you know? Oh, yeah. It's true. As you can tell, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm not afraid to call up things that frighten people. Mm. <laughs> Same, though. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Are both you guys in Dallas, or, or, or where are you guys? Well, I, no, I'm, in I'm I'm far away in the Pacific Northwest, enjoying a Where? lovely seventy enjoying a lovely seventy degree Portland evening. <laughs> oh, you're in Portland. Well, I was about to say, if you guys are ever in Chicago, come over and meet at my place, and we'll call up something scary. <laughs> we'll call up a Republican. I'm just kidding. Ooh, it's frightening. Oh, it's frightening. Oh, it's scary. Oh. Don't do it. Don't that's, do it. That's too. That's too scary. <laughs> too much. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh gosh! But <laughs> anyways, thank you again, Chris. To be offering uh, health care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, thank you, Chase, for being on the show with me tonight. And thank you for anyone who is listening to us live right now. Uh, and as I've been saying with every share that I've been doing uh, for tonight's episode, the edited archived version of today's episode will be late will be available a little bit later um so if you weren't listening right now you unfortunately will have missed chris's workshop this weekend but if you're listening now i hope you can make it you know we hope as we come to a close you know we hope you will continue to walk this path with us and if you'd like to get in touch with oh well if you'd like to get in touch with Chris, Chris, how can people get in touch with you? Just through the Facebook page? Mm-hmm. And, and um, yeah, through the, the Facebook page is the best. It's the, the easiest. I check it, like, four or five times a day. And so I usually get back to you within a couple – because I'm obsessed with it, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll get back to yeah. you within a couple hours. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand. But if you'd like to get in touch with um, either myself or Chase, uh, or Chris, you know, who unfortunately missed tonight. He's, I'm sure he's really upset because he had questions and whatnot. But you can email us at walkingtheunnamedpath at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at walking underscore the UP. And, of course, you can always hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash walkingtheunnamedpath. It's been a wonderful night talking with you two gentlemen. Blessings, and I will hopefully talk to you soon. All right. You guys have a good evening. Yay, you do the same. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'm going to close us out with a song from Celia. Uh, this is her song, Tree, Tree Breath, and you can find all her music at celiaonline.bandcamp.com. Again, this is Celia Treebreath. Thank you.